the word hemp has historically often been used interchangeably with cannabis or marijuana, and that has colored to a significant degree the perceptions of hemp as a food product, as a fiber product, as, a, as, as an agricultural product. It's been heavily regulated. To be honest, uh, in my mind, uh, that, that was an association as well. I talked not long ago to a friend of mine who was, it was surprising to me, who is the production coordinator for a large Western Canadian hemp processing operation. And I was surprised at the volume of hemp that was produced for seed. And, and I, the, during the discussion that follows this, I uh, was surprised at, at all of the uses for hemp, the history of hemp, and the potential for hemp. My name is Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Jane Kotolinski, who is Professor and Chair of the Department of Community Development and Applied Economics at the University of Vermont, and the Chair of the Centre for Rural Studies. Jane argues that we should be spending more time thinking about the opportunity with hemp. We should get over the sort of paranoid uh, connection to cannabis, particularly as we're seeing an evolution in cannabis regulation, and, and really take advantage of the opportunity, both as a foodstuff, as a source of fiber, and, and many other re- products, and, and use hemp to, to, to provide an additional source of revenue for farmers across North America generally and in Canada specifically. I think you'll find the conversation interesting. I learned a lot. Good afternoon, Jane. Thanks, thanks again for, for, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about hemp. And, and I have to admit that my, my knowledge of hemp isn't very deep. I have a friend who, who, who works for a company in Western Canada that sells hemp seed or hemp hearts and he's the farm coordinator for those. For the, so, so I know it's a fairly big product and growing. And frankly, I've heard a little bit about Woody Harrelson and hemp clothing and, and, and things. But I, I don't have a good sense of, I, I don't have a very deep understanding of it. I have, to, I have to also admit that I did a double take the first time I saw it growing on the side, in a field here in Ontario when I was driving by, and it, it very clearly looks like cannabis. And so that, I'm sure, is something we'll get to because it, it, it's, uh, it's probably something that has affected the development of hemp in, in modern days. But before, we, before I get too far rambling here, what is hemp exactly? Well, hemp actually is cannabis sativa, only it's cannabis sativa with no THC. So um, they're all the same family of plant. Um, It's just that one gets you high and one has about, as they say, 50,000 different uses. And those uses can be either from what we're all familiar with, which is from the flower, which is smokables that don't get you high, or the latest craze on um, CBD oil that will cure every ill that ails you. Yeah. Uh, but hemp, um, hemp grain, which you also in Canada separate from seed, but the seed is also called a grain where you can press oil, which is very, um, it has all the good linoleic and acid, amino acid profiles, um, hemp grain, hemp seed, of which Canada is a major producer of seed that grows the next crop, and hemp fiber, 
Um, and they're not all the same varieties or they don't have the same genetic background. So hemp that's grown for for seed or grain or flour is usually those big Christmas tree kinds of hemp and hemp that's grown for fiber. Um, you harvest with a, a combine, more like a, a wheat field or a, um, and now we're even seeing dual crop hemp's where hemp where you'll see on a farm or um on a, in a production field where there'll be a combine on the bottom and a cutter on the top so that they can harvest the grain from the top and then the fiber hemp from the bottom. So it's a lot of different things. So, so, so that's an interesting point because one of the questions was, you know, we do grow it for specific, as you said, my friend in Western Canada coordinates it for, for seed or where they hull it and sell it as hearts. People spread it on their yogurt for all of those sort of benefits you talked about high protein per per unit per serving some of the other antioxidants that we hear so much about and those sorts of things but then if i'm growing explicitly for if i'm growing that i'm not necessarily saying oh i'm throwing out all this fiber should i just be it might be that the variety i'm growing isn't isn't good for fiber either so not all hemp is the same not all hemp is the same and um you say that it's not waste but a lot of people who grow for grain and seed, the uh, fiber is actually a waste product at this point, but it has a lot of value. So so we can use, you might not, if you're growing for, for grain, you might not get the same yields for fiber, uh, but but you can still use it for fiber. So one of the issues is is sort of harvesting, if you will, all of the benefits of hemp. Oh, that's really, really well put. So if it's not a... There's bast fiber, and then there's the other kind of fiber, which is escaping me right now. But one one part of the fiber is not very good for turning into cloth or something like that. But it can be used for animal bedding. So it can be chopped up and used for animal bedding. So farmers who are, are have diversified agriculture, if they're raising cattle and, and so on and need bedding, they can actually have that um, the waste as something that's added for value. And I think something that's very exciting, um, hemp takes a lot of black plastic, at least in the United States. I mean, they lay black plastic everywhere. And we know about the problems of microplastics in, um, in our food supply and in agricultural use. So you can actually take the, the waste hemp stalks and turn it into like a fiber mat so that um, as it composts, it not only keeps the weeds down, but it also enriches the soil. So you're still getting organic matter. Well, you you anticipated my second question. Well, is what can we use it for? And and really, it is. It has a, a wide range of, of of applications. Yeah, you know, I just I'm I'm looking, um, Michael, at um, at something that's on the Alberta Canada uh, website for hemp. And I'm just going to rattle off some things: car sure. parts, bioplastics, scooters, semiconductors salad oil, fiberboard, printing paper, twine and rope. We know about twine and rope because it's been used for centuries in ships. Apparel, diapers, abrasives, chemicals, boiler fuel, fuel protein powder, granola, um, soap, shampoo. You get the picture. With all of those benefits, with all of those uses, with, with, the, with the fact that we can use the whole plant, which has some real value from a sustainability perspective, and a waste perspective, and frankly, a revenue perspective for the farmer. Why aren't we talking about hemp more than we are? 
I, that is a fascinating question. And um, I actually was asked to give a, a presentation on the history of hemp. And um, I think the Canadian history is like the United States history. And there's two pieces to it. The first is in the 30s, um, all of a sudden hemp became associated with uh, THC cannabis and it was a drug. And so it got classified as what a class three drug yeah. and illegal, illegal, illegal. So it basically all the infrastructure that was there to use the hemp plant to make all these wonderful things, um, it, it, it went away. And that was number one. Number two, um, and I don't, I, again, I don't know the Canadian context and please help me here. Hemp was um, used instead of cotton. And as cotton, uh, you know, expanded its growing area and became a cash crop, at least in the Southern United States. Um, and then the cotton gin was the Eli Whitney's cotton gin was invented. Um, the, the machinery needed to process the hemp became um, obsolete. And so we have, and by the way, DuPont was one of the major investors in hemp early on. And then they all of a sudden mysteriously dropped out. And I haven't, this would be fascinating for a historian. Um, they mysteriously dropped out, but I just say, and this is tongue in cheek. Well, why would DuPont stop um, investing in it? Because petroleum came and we had nylon and polyester and so on, which would compete directly with the natural fibers of hemp. Ah, okay. So, so really two things. There was competition. The technology on cotton probably beat the technology on hemp, although we're, we've probably closed that gap. Some of the synthetic fibers that were petroleum products, uh, we, we saw companies prioritize those. There might have been some efficiencies there as well. And, and as always, there are politics in behind. But but another thing that probably slowed the development of technology to keep up with the cotton gin and things like that are the sort of, uh, you know, reefer madness thoughts yeah. that I remember uh, from the 60s and 70s, how, you know, there was just this stigma and people didn't necessarily differentiate between cannabis with THC and hemp without THC. And it looked the same. It was hard to it was hard to distinguish in the field. So it was much easier to just say, no, that, that stuff's bad. We're going to go in another direction. I And I think that um, that that really is what caused the demise of the industry altogether. It was illegal. So nobody could grow it. Yeah. And I, I just remember in the early 90s, um, I was testifying to our state legislature back in Vermont and they're like hemp. Well, when you can grow hemp that has orange leaves instead of green leaves, we might consider it because even our legislators thought it was it was marijuana. And, you know, even to this day, you have signs on the hemp fields that say this is not marijuana. Please don't steal it. And then people come in in the middle of the night and like cut the whole field down. And, you know, it's not going to get them high. It's yeah. just going to ruin the crop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 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 and, and from a regulatory perspective, I mean, in Canada, we're growing it now. And, and actually it's, as you said, we're a, a major producer of, of hemp seed in this country and export a lot of it to the U S because the regulatory environment is a little, I mean, even though you're allowed to produce it in the, in the U S now, it is still regulated as a drug by the FDA. So there are, it's more 
I'm asking the question is if that's true, it also makes it more difficult to manage the production process and likely the processing process. Yes, all of all of those uh, those things. Um, it's interesting that Health Canada is uh, the the agency that regulates hemp in Canada as well. Is so it? I was surprised when I looked that up. I, that could be wrong, but that's the information that I got. So um, people are still concerned in the regulations about this mix up between got to make sure it has less than 0.3% THC in it, or, you know, then it's marijuana and we really have to worry about this, but marijuana is legal in Canada now. So I, I guess I don't get the, I, 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 I don't understand the problem. Well, it's but. legal, but, but still highly regulated and, and hemp, uh, marijuana has to be grown in a, in a, in a greenhouse with high security, you know, individuals, I, I don't know what the number is exactly. It's two or four plants or something. So, so there is still, uh, you couldn't, you, while marijuana is legal, you couldn't have a hundred acre field of it out uh, in the back 40. There are still some regulations. So I expect there are still, there's still some sensitivity, if not so much about the use, then making sure they get the tax revenue from it. Uh, absolutely. And something else that struck me about the Canadian hemp um, hemp production market is that it is illegal to save seeds. So even your Canadian farmers can't just reap the seeds and replant them. So um, that's that was just very interesting to me. And, and any idea why that might be? Like, I mean, if it's a legal I, you know, product, I don't know. Maybe. Well, there's contamination, right? Um, you know, and this is a this is a big worry in the U.S. as um, the hemp industry starts to increase, and a lot of people who were in the hemp industry, unlike Canada, who really is a major producer of of seed to to grow hemp. Um, is the worry about cross-contamination of marijuana with hemp seeds. So you're both losers then, right? The marijuana become, has less THC and the hemp has too much THC. And all of a sudden you've got a bunch of stuff that's not good for anything. And yeah. so um, that could probably have something to do with it. So given all of these challenges, you know, the connection to marijuana, the fact that we fell behind, why should we be talking more about hemp now? Um, because I, I think the opportunities we are facing now, um, a realization of, uh, climate change, climate variability, um, that petroleum based products are not going to be our future, not only because we don't have enough of them to be sustainable for the next, you know, 500 years or maybe even a hundred years. Um, so bio-based products are, are becoming, um, the thing to, to look at. So, um, we're also looking at sustainable agriculture in the way that we grow things. And um, hemp has the possibility to sequester carbon. And these are these are all um, things that really need to be investigated. But unless we start giving it a chance, then we're never going to really realize um, the promise of hemp that has been around for, you know, a thousand, a thousand years used by so many different cultures around um, around the world. The, the problem is, I think, and this was cited in a conference that I went to, and then we, we did a little poll, was that the number one piece of information that the producers wanted was, where's the market? If there's all these things we can do, do with it, what do consumers want and how can we get them the products that they want 
and market them in a way that makes them attractive um, to the consuming market. So, you know, you've got two things at play. You've got the production side. And of course, if you grow it, it doesn't mean people will come. And you have the demand side of which this is still a novel, I'm going to say a novel agricultural product overall, and really was relegated as you probably know, and I know, in the in the 70s as, oh, that's the hippie stuff. Only hippies yeah. wear, you know, hippie stuff, you know. So, um, but it's it's so much more than than that. There's a lot to unpack there. It, it, you know, hemp was a much bigger part of both fiber and food before the, before cotton got ahead with the invention of the cotton gin and before the association with cannabis sort of created a lot of identification problems. Uh, and, and so we can see it coming back. We, we can see it coming back now. And, and you raised some excellent points around fiber that isn't, that, that isn't produced from petroleum products, some uh, good alternative, healthy, particularly plant-based uh, protein that, that will also be coming, coming more. And, and I think that you talked about we have to see if we can get the demand and how we how we build demand. Have to see about what we can produce, how we produce, and 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 how we do that efficiently. To me, the the middle part, the supply chain part, is can we do it cost effectively? Like, can we compete? Which will be a big part of uh, a big part of what what we'll have to figure out about what some of that consumer, how much are p- people willing to pay? Are they willing to pay a premium? If and I don't know if it requires a premium to to uh, to wear, to wear clothing, to wear fabrics, or you know, to use products that are that are hemp related. The other, the other question that occurs to me, I, I have my own answer, but one of the one of the challenges we get regularly when we are using farmland to produce non-food products is we get some pushback. That oh perhaps we shouldn't be doing that because we have we we have to continue to produce food and 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 we have we you know we have a growing population should we be growing fiber on land that is otherwise going to grow wheat or canola or those sorts of things that that we're using to feed people. Uh, well. I think that that is an empirical question. And I'm sure that you've heard that we don't have a shortage of food. We have a shortage of the correct distribution network to make sure that people obtain the food. I don't know. That's my answer. So, um, you you know, those are, those are, um, they're value-laden questions. They're economic questions. They're social questions. They're cultural questions. There's a lot. You said there was a lot to unpack in what I said, and I think there's a lot to unpack in what you just (laughs) you just asked as as well. But um, as far as all purpose, um, hemp can be grown for food and a very um, and not only human food, but animal feed as as well. The spent the spent what we call seed cakes from pressing the oil out of um, hemp grain is actually an excellent animal feed. And I'm not sure about the Canadian thing, but the FDA will not allow this to be sold and, and fed to um, to animals in the U.S. And so, you know, the waste has a value and it's not only fiber, it's also it's also food. OK, so so that makes sense. And and, and I, I I think I would push back on my own argument there. Uh, I, I as an example, I think that perhaps uh, corn grown for ethanol, we might need to might need to reconsider 
but but to me, I think there there is a compelling argument for uh, some of the products we produce from from hemp, and uh, and over time there'll be other. Uh, you know, we'll have cellular agriculture and we'll be augmenting food production with, with those sorts of things. Are you optimistic? Is, is there a future for hemp production? Um, I, it's a really a difficult question. Um, you know, Canada's way ahead of the U.S. right now in terms of hemp production, and you're actually doing quite well. The study that I'm doing with my colleagues at the University of Alberta is looking at whether or not there's a larger fiber market um, in terms of bedding or um, or clothing and what people are looking for. Um, should hemp have a sustainability seal associated with it because there is increased demand there? But I'm, I'll quip with you just a little bit and say a colleague of mine just got a grant review back and, and it said, well, we know that the hemp market has already collapsed. So why should we fund this? And, and I just think, you know, there was, there was a sense, there was a, there was a hemp madness, not a reefer madness. Um, when, you know, when this whole idea about hemp came back and people thought there was, you know, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and we had land grabbers come in and, and, uh, plant hemp. They had no idea what they were doing. They didn't have a business plan. So all of these things need to be in place in order for, and I'll call it a new industry since it was basically defunct for 50, 60 years, a new industry to come in to build the supply chain, not only the growers, but the processors, the manufacturers and the consumers and the distribution and the laws that go around go with it. Um, so it's just like any other business. There has to be um, demand that drives it and there has to be a smart people that want to <laughs> that do it. It's not like you just throw some seeds in the ground and you make a million dollars. So it's it's complicated. I, I always laugh at, at how people think farming is easy and and this is just another crop that is different and that that requires management and requires insight and requires experience and probably comes with more baggage at least perceived baggage than than other products there are more there are more regulatory hoops to jump through and all of those sorts of things so so even at the farm level uh, unless you can show them here's the market here's you know uh, it, it it'll be difficult to grow you're optimistic? I, you know, I still am at this point in time. Um, for the Canadian market, if the U.S. market continues to need a, a seed supplier, you know, you're nearby, um, you produce it very well, you have so, you know the genetics of all yeah. the seed. If you go to the Alberta website, I, I mean, all the genetics are right there. This variety, this variety, this variety. Um, and I know that our new secretary of agriculture in the U.S., um, Tom Vilsack, has actually um, is is developing a hemp plan as um, it's more than just an agricultural commodity. It's a it's a way to really reinvigorate rural um, economic development, which, of course, Canada has a lot of rural areas, too. So I think that it's important. So I am optimistic as long as um, the media doesn't add to the problem that says, oh, it already failed because people failed because of all the reasons we just talked about. They weren't ready. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. So so two two more questions. You, you, you just sparked a question in my mind. Uh, you said well, how 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 this can really help with rural rejuvenation, and 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 why is it different or better than other crops that farmers are growing? Why why is it sort of is it is it a higher value pro- product? Is it 
provide some diversification so we can do uh, better disease and weed control, all of the above. What, why, why, yeah. why is hemp different? I, I, that's a that's a really good question, and it it only it has to be part of a rural development strategy. So if um, if all the producers that get into hemp just it turns into a commodity, that's not going to help rural development because it's going to be a race to the bottom, right? Oh, everybody's going to grow it, and and the price is the lowest price. What for rural economic development to happen? It's the opportunity for this industry to rebuild itself. So it's not only the farmer or the producer growing the raw product, it's the processor that employs people in the local community because it has to be sent somewhere. It's the manufacturer who takes that product and, and um, you know, employs 100 people in, in an area. And then comes all of the, um, the packaging and the marketing and the, you know, the, the sales, which you don't need bricks and mortar anymore to do that. So I think as a economic, a piece of economic development, now don't put all your eggs in one basket. We know what happens there. It just doesn't, doesn't work. But um, to, to keep that value chain in a community, I think is really important. If it fits with the culture of the community, that's really important. And you said the key word, diversification. So it can't be all your eggs in, in one basket. It has to be part of a a strategy that involves diversified agriculture and the value-added supply chain that a commodity is built on. That's interesting because one of the arguments uh, I make is that the future of the whole food market is much more specific value connected uh, chains rather than value chains, rather than putting everything through this commodity funnel. And that might be easier for a product starting from scratch than to reconfigure existing supply chains that that we have to change the marketing relationship, uh, you know, where we have to get producers used to saying, I'm not growing just a generic beef animal, I'm growing something with very specific, or I'm not just growing number one hard red spring wheat, I'm growing it with specific with a specific customer in mind. And I think that transition is much more difficult when you're ingrained in a historic value chain, it might actually be easier to establish those value added chains when you're doing it from scratch and, and really avoid that move to commodification. Oh, we're so on the same page. Yeah. Well, good. So <laughs> my, my last question is uh, I've learned a lot and, and I'm looking forward to sort of seeing what happens with hemp. Is there anything I should have asked you, but I didn't, or any last points you'd like to make about hemp before we wrap up? Well, uh, you know, I'll just drop some, um, some, some statistics that your listeners might be interested in there. Um, there are 31,250 hectares grown for flour in Canada, 16,500 for fiber, 22,200 for grain, and 2,645 for seeds. So there's, and there's 1,269 uh, licenses around the country. So it's not, it's not huge, even though you're one of the largest um, producers. Um, well, you are the largest producer in North America. Um, but um, but there are people interested. There are people in this industry, and there's room for growth. Perfect. Well, thanks, Jane. I, I really appreciate it. This was uh, educational for me, and I'm 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 expecting uh, listeners will find it very interesting. I know that your time at the University of Alberta is coming to an end, but hopefully, when you're back home in Vermont, we'll have another chance for another conversation soon. 
Great. And I do have to thank the Fulbright Commission because they're the ones that uh, that helped me to be at uh, the University of Alberta. So this was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. That wraps up another episode of the Food Focus podcast. We very much appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you just discovered Food Focus, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a review. It helps others find us. Before we go, I want to thank my producer, Zach, for his hard work in making each episode sound good and for his original music that helps us transition. He does the hard work and we get to have all of the fun. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks.